You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. You're listening to the E2C Network podcast by Auburn fans for Auburn fans. Brought to you by the Auburn Uniform Database. Visit them at auburnuniforms.com. War Eagle Auburn fans, welcome to Inside the Jungle, your source for Auburn men's basketball analysis and discussion. My name is Kyle Loomis, and in this episode, we're going to be breaking down another Auburn Tigers basketball win this time over CSUN or as they're officially called the Cal State University at Northridge. The Auburn Tigers are now 4 and 0 on the year beating CSUN by the score of 116 to 70. I'll say that one more time for emphasis 116 to 17. A complete domination by the Auburn Tigers and I honestly should have looked a lot worse than that. We're going to break down all the stats the action and storylines from the game. And to do that, brought in my friend, my co-host, Mr. Drew Hooper. Drew, uh, you know, you and I predicted this was going to be a bit of a walk in the park for the Tigers, and it was nothing short of that. Oh, yeah. I mean, to sit at 11-0 to start off the game, and then just to continue rolling up into a 20-point lead before the first media timeout uh, tends to be a walk in the park by most standards. And, you know, I was sitting there with my friend at the game, and we were both trying to guess when uh, Cal State would score their first basket, and we predicted Auburn would make it to 15 points before they did. And we were just short of that, but uh, an impressive start for the Tigers, and I was very pleased to see that they maintained the intensity so much so that, just to be honest, the Matadors were never, ever in the game and you could tell it on their faces. I think I heard one fan sitting behind me that cheered when they made baskets. That was, you know, they kind of knew it was, they were out of it without even hesitation there. So clearly not to par with Auburn. And this was clearly just a, a, what I would call a tune up or catch your breath game. And with the scheduling, Auburn's had kind of a difficult run to start off the first part of the season. And, they're even going to have another build towards that now. So I thought, again, we, we've talked about it before, Drew, brilliant scheduling by Coach Pearl to kind of get them a, a, a tune-up game, so to speak, in the middle of this. And I don't think we found a whole lot to be upset with in, in this game. Don't you think so? I, I don't think you can walk away with anything to gripe about. And if you do, there's probably something farther further wrong with you if you're griping about a walloping of this team yeah I mean there's it really is hard if we really like look at some fine-tuned things there yes you can say maybe our backups and backups of the backups don't look like they're in that great a position to fill in in some spaces but again you're playing a team when you're leading by 40 plus points at that time how seriously are they taking and you'd like to think that the Tigers do take it seriously 100% of the time but come on, you were up by 40 points, 30 to 40 points for most of the game and at 1.50 points. Uh, so you're really 
just not going to take them seriously at all. So as a reminder, this was part of the Legends Classic, which is going to be a tournament coming up in just a few games. We are playing the what I would call introductory games where you have host sites and Auburn is hosting this for CSUN and then Colgate coming up next. And then we'll actually go to the tournament portion where we'll hopefully play into the championship game for it uh, over there. So I thought a great start for the Auburn Tigers in the Veterans Classic. And this is our marquee pre uh, not even preseason tournament, but just early season tournament that we're going to be in thus far. The Tigers reach 100 points, though, Drew. We do this at least once a season, it seems like. And boy, there was no mistake that was going to happen tonight. Oh, yeah. I thought this was a wonderful game in a lot of ways. One, you kind of just got to let loose. And you saw a lot of them having fun. Devin Cambridge had quite a few highlight reel dunks during the game. We had some volleyball action going on there at the <laughs> Auburn arena. And it was just an all around fun game. But I think the biggest takeaway I see from this is, yeah, CSUN was an awful team, uh, probably going to win their conference because apparently their best players missing and they're picked to win their conference. So it's a nice win over a potential conference uh, winner that will probably be an NCAA tournament team. But I think the biggest thing is the question is, okay, we shot the lights out last season. What are we going to have to do this season? I think, this proved a little bit that this Auburn team still can shoot at a very high level. Absolutely. And I think a couple of people really turned some eyes uh, in this game in terms of their shooting. We'll, we'll touch on a few of those in just a second there. But, uh, you know, the, the story that is uh, Isaac Okoro continues to grow and his just ability to be versatile and athletic and just create opportunities where they are just not there sometimes. I mean, yes, he's playing against CSUN and making you know mincemeat of them, but I thought there were several instances tonight that Okoro showed what an incredible talent he is again. And, and I don't know, what, what did you think about his play? I, I thought he actually had his worst game of the season, but it's still nice that whenever he has his worst game of the season, he's still one of the best players on the floor. Uh, I thought he was impressive at times. I thought he kind of got a little into overdrive kicked into too high of a gear at times but ultimately he got the job done had a couple of nice finishes at the rim played hard got into foul trouble a little bit as much as you get the foul trouble on a blowout and i you know what i thought he did well uh you can't gripe about him he, you can see some of those freshman tendencies but they're few and far between for okoro compared to other freshmen oh, you mentioned foul trouble and here's the interesting about that if you had two fouls in this game chances are you were technically in what would be considered foul trouble for the Tigers because there were not a lot called overall in the game, uh, more so at the back end when things were just getting sloppy and most of the backups and walk-ons were in. But um, overall for the Tigers, they had only 15 personal fouls called across many, many players. Uh, The CSUN had about 14 personal fouls called in this game. So there's not a lot to gripe about or even talk about in that area. And I wonder, though, Drew, is is this more of the refs seeing, okay, there's really not a point in us being really strict with a lot of the calls here tonight? Or is it that Auburn played just a really good game and didn't have a lot of fouls called? I I think it's a mixture of both. I think definitely Auburn played a good game and wasn't fouling, wasn't reaching in a lot like they typically do, and so weren't getting called on those. And CSUN wasn't driving the basket a lot, so you weren't getting those fouls on the bigs of Wiley and McLemore like we typically see, or even on the guards trying to poke one out before it gets to the big. But towards the end, 
there were definitely some fouls, I think, but it was just one of those the refs were just trying to get to their restaurant of choice after the game. Well, that's it's funny you say that too, but it's it's hard not to call a foul on a guy like Babatunde Akingbola. He gets three personal fouls in five minutes of play. I mean, the guy's arms are just incredibly long. If he just like sticks them out, someone's gonna run into him. And he's obviously he's new to the team. He he he's kind of growing into himself and and what kind of role he's gonna have here, even in limited time. So you see a lot of energy and excitement there. Uh, from him and athleticism too but it just doesn't seem to know how to use that length and ability that he has yet so he is probably our worst in the case of foul trouble tonight but again in only five minutes of play time now on that item there with play time and, and the amount of people that had to be put into this game let me run this stat there for you drew all 17 players on the tigers roster saw the court tonight all 17 no more red shirts, including Jalen Williams. I mean, I don't think it was a shock that the walk-ons made it into this game, but I think you and I both commented uh, to friends that we were surprised that Williams even saw action in this game. Yeah, I was surprised kind of all around just to see the red shirts burn. And you know what? I think a lot of these guys outside of Okoro are probably four-year players anyway, so it's not really that big of a deal to run their red shirts, but you know, if it was there and you had the opportunity to maybe save one for the next season, get four years of eligibility with another class and that type of situation in case you weren't able to fill a void or maybe the recruits just weren't there for that position in that class, you know what, I think that would have been a good option. But ultimately, in Bruce, we trust. So I'm not really going to knock the man on burning whatever he wants to at Auburn. Absolutely. And and here's the great thing about it. It's just continuing to build depth. I mean, obviously, when we say 17 players deep, we're in no offense to the walk-ons. And I was a former walk-on myself. But, you know, you're not really counting on them to provide depth, except in the extreme most circumstances there. Uh, they're strictly there uh, for practice scenarios and things of that nature. And obviously get some play time as they do tonight here. But I think it's interesting when you look at the minutes breakdown here, you're kind of seeing almost like a tiers of play here. Obviously the starters, which tonight and all season have included Daniel Purifoy, Javon McCormick, Samir Dowdy, Okoro, and Wiley. But then you take a step down further in terms of play time, you'll start seeing another tier there. You got Jamal Jones, uh, you've got West uh, West Flanagan's son, uh, uh, and then Amphrey McLemore as well, uh, Devin Cambridge. And then you take a step down even further, you've got guys like Baba Tuniakingbola. Uh, you even got Jalen Williams kind of getting to that five-minute mark there. I just think it's interesting. You can definitely see – I hate using the term platoon system, but let's be honest, Drew, if they wanted to, Auburn could run platoon system in a certain aspect this year if they if they really had to. Yeah, I mean, if they had to, but I think – this is typically what you see in an NBA team is they have a eight-man rotation, eight, nine-man rotation, and sometimes they'll get to that 10th man, but oftentimes they're going to stick in that eight to nine range. And the players coming off the bench in, in that role are filling the void in a very nice way. Auburn does very well with their bench scoring. I mean, tonight, let's look and see what we had. Just out of bench points, we had 38 bench points tonight. That's yes. That's doing pretty well. <laughs> I mean, last game, we only had nine bench points, so we didn't see the production out of them last game that we fully needed. And the game before that, we saw 19 bench points. So I think you're seeing them grow in their role a little bit and become more comfortable. I definitely saw them being more comfortable tonight as a 
as a second unit, more or less, for lack of a better term. And you know what? I'm I'm perfectly fine with that. Well, and you know, we we've heard reports that, especially recently, uh, Coach Pearl has spent a lot of time with what we would call that second group or the first couple of guys in, and even further down the line there. Uh, you know, what that tells me is that Bruce Pearl is very comfortable with his first five. Not that they don't need extra, you know, coaching and help along the way, but I mean, it's a solid group of guys here that seem to work very well together that are your starting five. And the fact that he's able to kind of trust them to give them the just the, the instruction that they need for the next game, but then be able to focus on that next group that is going to be the future, especially when you've got a senior laden starting five, as we do currently, I think that is crucial for this team. So again, this is not something I'm going to question coach Pearl at all in because the man produces the first ever final four in all of our history. You don't get questioned a lot in that case there. So not a lot of gripe coming from me at all. This was a very quick game tonight. Uh, I think the first half took just under 40 minutes. Um, obviously a lot of that has to do with very little fouls and it just was a situation where we were running up and down the court. So I, I found myself oddly glad that we were able to leave the arena, uh, a little bit quicker than normal there, but it, it was just an interesting thing. You don't typically see basketball games under two hours, especially with the amount of fouling and stoppages and timeout play or for uh, TV timeouts and things these days. So it was very interesting. Another interesting aspect is the amount of points that one particular player got tonight. And that was Samir Dowdy, 33 points tonight from him. Uh, I'll just say it right here. You may not agree with me, Drew, but I saw every bit of Bryce Brown in him tonight. At least tonight, I saw it. Hey, I mean, I think Samir's game obviously different. I think you'd agree with that yes. aspect. Uh, but just watching anyone knock down threes, it's not, it, our brains are automatically going to go back to Bryce Brown. Yes. And I, I think when they go back and watch the tape, and just for me watching, Samir shot the lights out. Yeah, he had a couple just spectacular shots. He had one on a step back that he shook his head at the guy he was guarding afterwards <laughs> because he, he could do no wrong at that point. But I think a lot of it comes from the the wonderful ball movement that Auburn did tonight. And it, yep. it gave me shades of last year. We haven't moved the ball well in these first couple of games, but this this game we were looking for that extra pass and we were looking to get the guy in space no matter what it took. And obviously Samir Daddy was the recipient of a lot of those passes, but he did what he needed to do and he knocked down the shots. And I thought Auburn's ball movement is what opened up this game against an inferior opponent, but also just in the game overall. It didn't matter who the opponent is. If we move the ball like that, it's going to obviously pay dividends in most games. Yeah, and I do want to touch on the sharing that happened in this game in just a second, but just a little bit more on Dowdy, a complete stat line for him and to tell you how impressive a game it was for him. 33 points, 10 for 15 from the field, 6 for 8 from beyond the three-point line. Uh, and he was also 7 for 7 from the free throw line. Thank you, Samir. Way to lead by example. Uh, also, he had eight rebounds himself alone in three assists in 24 minutes of play. So a very impressive stat line for him tonight. And uh, I th he got a standing ovation when he left the court tonight uh, for his final minute of play. So very much deserved tonight. But back to what you were talking about sharing the ball tonight. You know, one of the things that you've expressed, especially in our first couple episodes that you've been watching for, is the assist numbers and how you'd like to see them above 15 assists per game. Well, my friend, 
You got that in more tonight. 27 assists for the Tigers, and 16 of those come from Javon McCormick. In fact, if my understanding is correctly, he set a single-game record for assists as an Auburn Tiger uh, with those 16 assists. What did you think about the way he was able to distribute the ball tonight? I, I thought he played very loose tonight in the best way possible. I am a card-carrying member of the Javon McCormick, uh, not a fan club most of the time. I think <laughs> I think he, I, I don't know, he just doesn't fit the the way I like basketball to be played. But tonight he very much did, and you could tell he was having a lot of fun. He's yeah. been forcing shots for a while, kind of been forcing – uh, the issue, and Bruce Pearl even said on his post-game interview that Javon McCormick uh, has been taking more responsibility, learning the plays, learning the fact that he is running the floor now and getting people their shot. And I think you saw that growth tonight. Uh, he didn't do that that great of a job against South Alabama, and we barely scraped away with a victory. He came out looking to find people in the open space, looking to find people at the three-point line, looking for lobs at the basket. And yeah. uh, when you set an Auburn record, that hopefully that speaks to you of, man, sharing this ball is fun because, you know what, watching guy after guy after guy go up, grab that ball, and just put it down, I mean, I would want to do that every time just to hear Auburn Arena erupt. Well, yeah, and let's talk about it from this aspect. You're following a guy like Jared Harford, who obviously was a great distributor but also was a great scorer as well. And so you're you're trying to fill those shoes. And I can understand from a player's perspective how you'd want to be that guy again. And I can see where now he's had those struggles in the first couple of games of the season where, yeah, he maybe scored a few more points. He only got two in this game. But you set a record in assist when you're actually doing what you should be doing with this team dynamic. So my hope is, is what he has seen tonight, just as you've already said, is that, yeah, it's great to score points, but look what I was able to do when I just shared the ball. I set records. And then again, it's against, you know, Cal State Northridge. It's not a team to get super excited about, but you set a record none the least. So my hope is tonight that he sees this change and maybe this is where his focus needs to be. And hey, maybe every once in a while, you might get a 30 point game if everything falls according to, uh, you know, how it's supposed to go there. But great job by him in the assist category tonight. And I was very happy to see him reach that tonight. Now we talked a lot about how, yeah, you know, CSUN was not that great, but they had a little player there who uh, looked pretty decent. And uh, the guy I was sitting with, we were talking a lot about is like, you know, I bet he, if he had gotten a little bit more exposure, he might've found himself on a team like Auburn because he was a very quick and uh, very good shooter. Uh, Gomez, number three, for CSUN got 23 points basically was the only reason that they even stayed beyond uh you know or, or behind six, a 60 point deficit uh was him tonight and I, I thought he was very impressive overall and uh another interesting name tonight uh according to reports uh Meta World Peace was in the house in Auburn Arena tonight or at least his son uh, did you know about that coming into this Drew I did not know that Ron Artest the third played for CSUN at all uh I had no idea until they showed Ron Artest in the crowd and said hey guess what also Ron Artest's son plays for CSUN and you're like oh that's just the most random fact we could hear tonight yes it was uh quite 
when we heard the name come over, we said, there's no way, is it? And we started pulling out our phones and looking up, and sure enough, he was. We never saw uh, – do, do you call him Meta or do you call him Ron Artest at this point? What What is it, Drew? I call him Ron Artest. I mean, that, I mean that, that's that's the name that his parents gave to him. That's what I'm going to stick with. Meta World Peace isn't a real name. Yeah. Okay, thank you. I'm glad you're in that camp with me tonight. I just That's, that's just stupid. I'm sorry. We're not going to get on down that rabbit hole tonight. But, yes, Ron Artest was in the house watching his son play. I didn't know much, uh, much less that – his son was there, much less there was a third Ron Artest. Uh, but very interesting storyline to hear happening there. I didn't see a lot of fireworks coming from him, um, zero points. Uh, but uh, it was just kind of cool to say that we had a an NBA celebrity in there watching his son and watching his team, his uh, son's team get demolished. couple other stats for the Tigers tonight. Field goal percentage, Auburn 57% from the field, 49% from three-point land 17 for 35 that is incredible and drew you're a happy man tonight with 27 assists and i'm a happy man tonight with 94 percent from the free throw line i mean okay i'm not going to get on soapbox tonight because they, they made me happy by doing that tonight only 11 turnovers and they scored 23 points off of turnovers tonight 33 uh, rebounds for csun to 50 for Auburn you know this is the first time I've said this in a while Auburn just seemed a lot bigger than CSUN uh, overall and they played a lot bigger as well Uh, did anything stick out to you there in terms of the size differential not really the size differential but I'm going to keep plugging for my boy Jamal Johnson yes in this point because over every game Auburn's played this season I've been preaching the gospel of Jamal Johnson and (laughs) I want I want us to realize I'm an analytic guy. I love analytics. Lived in Memphis. John Hollinger was our big analytics guy for here for the Grizzlies. Now works for ESPN and the Athletic. But he just looking at the deeper numbers. I want you to guess, and it's going to be a pretty easy guess. But who has the highest percentage of points scored when he's on the floor? Like who affects the team the most when he's on the floor and the team scoring? That'd be Jamal Johnson. That would be Jamal Johnson. This man averages over half of the possessions where he touches the ball on this Auburn team. There is at least one point scored. And that is 10 to 12% more than any other player on this team. I, I just want you all to know how special of a man Jamal Johnson is and how much come January and February we're deep in SEC play. You're going to come to fall in love with Jamal Johnson. Oh, and it your your gospel is is hitting me at the heart here because it is is very true. I, I even without that stat, I've noticed how much I'm talking about. Oh, wow, what a great shot by Jamal Johnson, or what a great drive to the basket by Jamal Johnson. You know, I, I hate maybe this is not the right analogy. You might not agree with me, but I get a maybe not the same type of build or you know structure as a player, but I get a Malik Dunbar type of feel from him comes in and just affects the game as, as the stats show. Would you agree with that analysis? I'm going to disagree with that analysis because Malik was a high energy player and was always good for that highlight. Jamal Johnson is a quiet lunch pail guy. And, (laughs) and I am, he, he shows up to work, gets his job done, takes his 30 minute break, goes home. And that's all he does. You never have to worry about him. And the the player I see the most is actually a player who used to play for UCLA, played for San Antonio, is actually with the Grizzlies now. So you're going to hear me reference the Grizzlies a lot. But it, his name is Kyle Anderson, and his nickname is Slow Mo. 
He is a long, <laughs> lanky guy. Just you don't look at him and go, man, that's like a just an awesome NBA player. But he led UCLA in steals whenever he was there. He was a defensive lockdown guy for the San Antonio Spurs and just like got buckets. Wasn't like the best shooter. Jamal Johnson's a little bit better shooter, but he was just long, lanky, and just really good at disrupting things. And I think Jamal Johnson's the same way. We don't see a lot of steals and things like that, but if you watch the game, he gets a lot of poke outs, disrupts the inbounds pass on the press. I, I think he's a phenomenal player and definitely someone who we'll, we'll see starting next year. Oh, yeah, I, I'm very impressed with what I've seen so far and, and what you were so excited about about him in preseason is clearly coming to fruition now. So it's nice to see that that actually is coming out now. Uh, and, and I would say this much, if Anthony McLemore wasn't the first man off the bench, I think he would be at this point. And I think they kind of swap scenario-wise. Obviously, Anthony's a different type of player, a little bit bigger. So whatever the scenario is, if they need someone to get Wiley out, Anthony's going to come in, come in. But if they need someone to give one of the other guards uh, a break i think jamal is going to come in and definitely be that option for them there so a wealth of talent and you got a complete look at the auburn tigers tonight everything from your five stars all the way down to the walk-on so we're going to wrap that one up there we'll move on to the next game and again this is part of the legends classic it's not part of the actual tournament meaning moving forward but just part of the whole showcase aspect of it auburn will be taking on Colgate, one of the Ivy League teams, and usually has a pretty good pedigree. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Time of... out, time out, time out. Let's get your facts straight. Did I say Colgate's... Ivy League? That... Colgate ain't no Ivy League team. They ain't that smart. They're from Jersey. What? I swear I thought they were in They're the Ivy Patriot League. Patriot League. You're thinking Cornell, oh, man. You... Okay, look, I'm sorry. That's what happened there. I'm thinking of Cornell. Thank you for correcting me on that. That You are correct on that, sir. That's what I was thinking. Uh, but Patriot League, Ivy League, it goes hand in hand, doesn't it? No, because this is your projected Patriot League champion this year, man. Okay, well, there you go. Even so, my point was going to be on this is that we were going to have a projected champion that we're playing yet again. So you've had Georgia Southern in that category. Apparently CSUN, as you said earlier, is in that category as well. So again, if you're going to schedule teams that you should beat, you need to make sure that you're scheduling people that are supposed to be contending for their championship. So Colgate and Auburn, 6 p.m. Central Time this Monday, the 18th on the SEC Network is where you can watch it. Now, they haven't had a great start to the season. They are 1-2, and two, only beating New Jersey Institute of Technology. It always makes me giggle every time I see their acronym. It's NJIT. Just, I don't know why. It just, it just makes me laugh. Uh, but they're just coming off a loss to Syracuse uh, by the score of 70 to 54 so you got to think this team's not riding very high right now and it's probably not going to have a lot of momentum coming into auburn arena and uh but the, here's the thing is whereas we probably took csun a little lightly and rightfully so as we've seen tonight we probably shouldn't take colgate very lightly because they've made some noise even last season so what's your perspective of this game for auburn well i mean this is a team that took tennessee to the wire in the very first game of the ncaa tournament last year and they returned all those guys. Uh, I'm worried about Colgate for this reason. Yeah, they're one and two. Haven't really done much. They played Syracuse decently. Uh, didn't really put the fear of God in them, but still played them decently. Syracuse pulled away at the end. Uh, the issue I find with Colgate is this. They love to shoot the three, and they haven't broke it open yet. And it 
it always worries me to get a team that's kind of been struggling from three that loves to shoot a lot of threes because they're always going to bust it open at some point. That's what their MO is. And I just hope it's not against Auburn, Auburn arena. Cause if they get hot, they can put some buckets on you. Well, here's the thing too. And this kind of goes to where I like to talk about players to watch here. Now, Drew, you know, I was going to try to pronounce that name. I would rather hear you try to pronounce that one there. That first one. Rapolis. I've I listened to it beforehand and then I've already (laughs) forgotten it. (laughs) Oh man. I, you know, you did it so much better than I can. Rapolis uh, is a senior forward. He is their top point score, 14.3 points per game. And he is a big forward at six foot 10. And I have it written down here incorrectly, but Will Raymond is also a forward and they are both seniors there. And he is their top rebounder at 8.3 rebounders per game. So two big forwards there that are able to score and rebound in bunches. And it seems like, too, I think their leading assist guy was Rapalis as well. Um, so you've got big guys who can shoot and can distribute the ball. That could spell disaster for Auburn. So I think the interesting matchup for me is going to be with the R forwards versus theirs. So that's you got to have your guy, uh, your eyes on guys like Anthony Macklemore, Austin Wiley. Uh, is Devin Cambridge going to have to kind of play down there as well, as well a little bit? Will we see Stretch get a little bit extra time there if they get into foul trouble? Uh, but I, I do think this is a very intriguing matchup for Auburn and how they're going to be able to handle that duo right there in Rapolis and Will Raymond. Two seniors that are experienced, have, as you've already brought up, took t- uh, Tennessee down to the wire in the first round of the NCAA tournament. Uh, I, I, I'm definitely kind of concerned, and I see this as another stepping stone towards a very difficult streak for Auburn because it's Colgate, New Mexico, and then potentially if we win against New Mexico and Wisconsin does what they should, a matchup with Wisconsin there. So uh, how are you feeling right now in terms of confidence that Auburn will uh, take down Colgate? I think this is the biggest test right here. Obviously, New Mexico is going to be a tough game, but I think this is a bigger one because it's going to force Anthony McLemore to be a stud. Uh, it's going to force him, and I would say Okoro is going to be the other one. I don't think we'll see much of Wiley in this game because uh, Rapalus, we're just going to refer to him as by his first name. Don't want to hurt any viewers <laughs> out there. And Will Raymond, both are big men that love to shoot the three, so they're going to draw Auburn out to the perimeter, and I don't think Wiley is going to be able to keep up with that or defend it out on the perimeter. So I think you're looking at a Macklemore, Okoro, Devin Cambridge type situation. Uh, I think, like you said, a big stepping stone. This is just another way Auburn's going to have to learn how to win a game. And uh, I think we're getting the full spectrum of how teams play really early on in the season. And I love that. Yeah, and I think it's a great uh, distribution of types of teams that we've played here, and this is yet another one that's going to have some very talented big men, which we will see if we make it to the postseason this year as well. So another brilliant scheduling move by Coach Pearl. We're going to wrap that game up here, and I want to give you a quick update on how the women's team has been doing. Sadly, it's not a happy update. Uh, Their last game was against Old Dominion, and they took a loss uh, 77-89. to Uh, They were unable to stop two players from Old Dominion, Ajay Wayne, who scored 35 points, and Victoria Morris, who scored 20 points. And they basically were the reason that they were not able to come out with the victory at home against Old Dominion. And we'll update you guys on the next episode, how they did in their next game. But for the men, Drew, your final thoughts about this game against CSUN and the next game against Colgate. I think it was wonderful. I think they did great. 
looking forward to just see how this team takes another step in their growing process. It's going to be fun to watch a lot of these players grow and just to see how high the ceiling is. Cause I don't think a lot of people even know where the ceiling is for this Auburn team right now. Oh yeah, absolutely. I think this next group of games here will tell us a lot about what this team is going to look like going forward. That's all we have for you in this edition of inside the jungle. Before we get out of here, let's give our social media contacts. You can find me on Twitter at tiger. 24 drew. Where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter at Drew underscore hoop zero two. Look forward to hearing from y'all. And that's all we have for you now. But until we talk to you again, War Eagle. War Eagle. Before you get out of here, we want to remind you of a couple of things. Head over to E2Cnetwork.com, our website where you can find everything that you'll ever need from us, podcasts, blogs, and even ways to help support the show. If you want to find individual episodes, you can download all of these on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play. So until we see you again, I want to remind you of one thing, that here at the network, we believe in Auburn and love it. The only question remains, do you?